0: Another episode of Marketing Against the Grain, your show for marketing-minded people everywhere. I'm your co-host, Kit Bodner, the Chief Marketing Officer at HubSpot. I'm joined as always by my friend, my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, who's the chief marketing officer over at Zapier. And we're coming to you, minds freshly blown today, because ChatGPT has become the everything app. The thing we thought WeChat was going to be when we saw it in China. ChatGPT is actually that now. And not only that, Kieran is gonna make the argument that ChatGPT and just one aspect of it is like the modern day printing press. We are gonna talk about some AI revolutions today that will blow your mind and change how you grow your business and hire and staff your teams. Let's go. Before we get into the show, here's a quick word from HubSpot. Long hours, small teams, uninspiring content marketing for a startup is hard work. Thankfully, HubSpot for startups can help you grow your business without growing your stress. Their all-in-one platform connects all your teams together. Plus, they have a bunch of resources to help you scale, and they offer discounts up to 90% off. So if you're ready to crush your marketing, look no further than HubSpot for startups. To see how much you can save, visit HubSpot.com startups. Kieran, what the hell, man? I think you and I could probably do like a six hour podcast right now. Plugins is nuts. It is freaking crazy. Someone tweeted that
1: OpenAI just killed the entire 2023 cohort of YC Combinators. They went through YC Combinator and they were all like AI for AI for AI. And like literally
0: ChatPGT and plugins can do all that stuff. Well, did you see what David Sachs tweeted? I, I did see this. It was great. If ChatGPT was the iPhone moment, then plugins is the App Store App moment. Store. Plugins is a very modest name for what could be the most powerful developer platform ever created. And Kieran, you have an even spicier take than the app store moment. What is your take on OpenAI and ChatGPT's new plugins feature? I want to hear your take and then I want you to explain what this actually means to everybody.
1: ChatGPT became the everything app. I think it is now the everything app. It is now the new operating system. And the plugins are apps on your iPhone where you can actually launch new products. And so you don't actually have to go anywhere else to do these things. You can do it all through the chat interface. You can use Chat now to book flights on Kayak. You can use chats to do things in your software through Zapier. I don't know if you saw that. They've added a code interpreter. Yeah. So you you can code within ChatGPT just like Replit. So overnight, you actually have a new operating model and you can launch plugins within that operator model and they have full functionality and can go out and do things for you. And you can just stay within that chat interface to complete all this work. What is the thing that we have been saying time and time and time again on this podcast? The chat interface is moving software yes. back in the UI layer, right? This is a customer facing layer. It moves everything else back. And it commoditizes it because you don't care how these tasks are getting done through the, all these different plugins and all these different things. You just care that the work's getting done within the chat interface. And some of the examples I've seen and people do with the plugins,
0: even just like the fact they can browse the internet now. We're coming with browsing the internet in, in a second. That, that's that's We're closing out the show on the browsing of the internet because that is equally important as the plugins. But you had a point on the plugins that I thought was genius. You said it was like the invention of what? The invention of the printing Press. Why? So I was reading up on
1: technological advancements and how they changed, because I'm fascinated by how they do change human civilization, because this is one of them. I wondered, have we lived through one? Like, I feel like we lived through the internet. The internet. Maybe the, yeah, I guess the internet was one I, the, the internet was that was it. game changing. Do you
0: know you remember life before the internet and cell phones? Like, sitting around your house waiting for a friend to call? I don't know if you had friends, but like, that's what happened. <laughs> I did back then, I, before <laughs> you okay. became a dork. Before you, you sat at home researching how technology
1: had changed human history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before I started reading up with the printing press. So yeah, the reason I was like hesitant on the internet is because I was like, maybe this is bigger, right? I think that's the thing I'm trying to think through is like, maybe this is even more disruptive for a multitude of reasons. But I went back to so the printing press. Everyone knows probably the story of the printing press invented in the mid 1400s, mm-hmm. 1450. And what it did was it automated printing and reduced the cost to actually print books to like next to near nothing, started all these new different jobs, educated the world much more, like had all these kind of ramifications for the world. But that reduction in cost, just the ability to print things became much easier. And the reduction of cost in books became like widespread, right? You could just get books much easier. And if you think what the plugins and chat GPT is doing is really reducing the cost to build apps, because what these things are doing is they are automating things and like building apps for you to do that in the background. And it is the reduction in the cost to create apps is fascinating to me, where apps are just going to be very widespread, costless. Everyone's going to have bespoke apps where you can do things for you. And that is just like game changing.
0: Well, yeah. So there's a couple of very important things here. First of all, if you look at any person or group of people who have been really rich in the history of society, they figured out a way to take the marginal cost of something that was very expensive and take it down to zero or near zero, right? The printing press Classically good example, people were handwriting books and copying books by hand, and they got the scale up with the printing press and took the marginal cost to zero. Pretty freaking amazing. Manufacturing, the Industrial Revolution, like John D. Rockefeller makes all this money, taking the marginal cost of making goods, not to zero, but way less than it was before, and making the accessibility of these goods far greater than they ever have. Fast forward now. The thing that was kind of the long pole premium thing of the internet was human time coding things. Right. Right. Like that was the thing where it's like, ah, oh, we can't have this app do this because we would have to pay somebody all this money. And that use case isn't worth all this money to go pay a team of humans to go and do this thing. Right. And what you were saying is that with plugins and chat GPT now and chat GPT's ability to write code, the marginal cost of writing a web application is essentially zero. zero. And with that, you can have very niche web applications and highly disposable web applications,
1: right? You can have applications just for your own personal needs because the cost Correct. to actually create those things are zero. The same way that you could, back in time, do all this stuff in
0: paper that used to cost a yes. bunch of money, but now it costs no real money. And so that brings me to, if you're, if you're watching today's show, One of the things I would tell you is there are a lot of people out there thinking about AI and don't understand right now. Do some research. Get your basic education of AI. Watch the show, a bunch of others. You'll get there. Subscribe to Bins, Bytes, all that stuff. You'll get there, right? The next part of it is there are a lot of really smart people who are then taking that AI knowledge and applying it to existing use cases and how you make those use cases better. And they're, they're being fairly successful. And a lot of the software applications you see right now fall into that like all the content and design apps like oh cool well you design something now we're well, going to make it much easier for you to design because the ai is going to do the design for you for example right where the most opportunity is going to be whether it be for a business using ai or for somebody building an ai business is going to be in the green space of like here's this thing we are not currently doing because we thought it was impossible or too expensive and we can now do it hmm Like that is where all of the opportunity is going to exist. And this example we just talked about where the cost of writing web applications is essentially zero. Like that is a new green space where it's like, oh, cool. I can do aspects of technology in the internet that weren't possible before. And I can cover use cases that nobody could have ever done in a profitable way before. Right. And I think that to me, is where like the core opportunity is. And if you are somebody who's thinking about leveraging AI to grow your business, whatever that business is, that's what you want to think about. What are the things that like, if we had a magic wand, would change our business? Because some of them might be possible today now.
1: Yeah, I right? think this also reinforces the money and niches, because I think if you are building in the future, and you are building a broad use case of anything, OpenAI is always a potential competitor. Competitor. Because ChatGPT and plugins, or OpenAI themselves, are building consumer-facing tools. However, the thing they're not going to ever do probably is like service a, sm- a small niche. But a small niche can be serviced by like a couple of people now because they can mm-hmm. build apps for like a small. All you need is a thousand fans. You could build a ten
0: million dollar business with like two people,
1: you know, <laughs> and servicing a TAM of ten thousand because you can build such a niche experience for them because they yes.
0: like your cost to build that app
1: are so small you can make still a large enough profit on 10,000 people, 20,000 people for it to
0: be worth your time to do that. You're making the point that like private equity companies will exist that are buying like thousands of companies across all these really small micro niches to roll them up. The tiny,
1: yeah. The guys who own tiny Andrew... Uh, Wilkinson, yeah. A version of that for AI companies that serve niches. That's where there's some, I think, level of moat because if you get there first and service that niche first then it will be hard to disrupt you because if you're marketing to 20,000 customers, 30,000 customers, distribution is not going to matter that much. So You just need to own the customer experience. There's something in that because I think the cost to actually service businesses has come down to such an extent Mm -hmm. that we may see the rise of solopreneurs, very small teams, doing really amazing things for
0: small towns. The future is more small companies. I believe that in my heart of hearts. And I think you just articulated really smartly why that is the case. We'll be right back, but let me tell you about a podcast from our network. Truth, Lies, and Workplace Culture is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, your audio destination for business professionals. Join husband and wife team, Al and Leanne Elliott, as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. Their audience loves the show's unique blend of theory and practice, which helps business owners and leaders simplify consumer psychology. If you enjoy learning what makes people tick, then this is the show for you. Recently, they did an amazing episode on what makes your team say yes, exploring the psychology of influence. Phil Agnew shares his rich experience in behavioral science and delves into the intricate psychology of influence. They explore the fine line between influence and manipulation, uncovering how subtle cues and messaging impact team decision-making and motivation. Whether you're a leader, marketer, or anyone interested in the art of intelligence. This episode is packed with strategies and psychological principles to understand and harness the power of yes in teams and organizations. Listen to truth, lies, and workplace culture wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so in the last week, with the plug-in infrastructure in, in ChatGPT, OpenAI had its app store moment—the app store equivalent of the iPhone—or we're going to argue the printing press moment, where it's commoditized so many of these use cases to free that it is going to transform how a lot of people work and how businesses operate. And oh, by the way, they also solved one other big problem, Karen. One of the biggest problems with ChatGPT is that you can only access data up to 2021. And now you can browse the internet inside of ChatGPT and get current information. Holy cow. Do you want me to
1: give you a, to to bring it home yes. for the listeners? I'm sure a lot of listeners on here invest in companies. Drop it on me. What's the quarterly? Because I always get this mixed up. What's the quarterly earnings? The report that they release to the
0: market. Oh, the 10K.
1: Yeah. So someone was showing how they put all. Of, so the companies they invest in, they put the 10Ks into Chat GPT, so they can just query them. I was like, that is so awesome. <laughs> like you can just get the. You, so the like Chat GPT will give you the highlights, but then you can actually just query on that report, so you don't have to read it. Like, tell me what they said about this. Tell me what they said about new product releases me what they said about forecast. It's just like, why am I ever going to read any of this stuff? Like, I'm just going to put it into chat, GPT,
0: get a summary and ask it a bunch of things. Well, also, by the way, if you are not curious and can't learn, get the hell out of life right now. <laughs> because like, it has never been easier to understand really complex things in a short period of time. Right. Like, that's one of the things, if you're listening to this, if you're like, oh, I never thought I could learn something or I never quite understood how something worked, Like, go try again right now. Right. right. Like, the fact that you can basically train it on all these 10Ks and then, like, compare financial performance and then have it explain, like, the P&L to people, like, there are people who pay hundreds of thousands of dollars in business school to go and learn and do all this stuff. Game-changing. And it can now come to you for free in, like, minutes. Yeah. This is
1: what technological advancement does. It gives humans the ability to learn faster or work on higher value things. And there has never been a greater example of this. Like you can have a Stanford level graduate just explain everything to you, summarize things, compare things, contrast things, map things, chart things, which I was doing on Bing, AI, like to build charts and models. Just incredible, an incredible time for people who are curious. But I think the other thing you want to have is you need to be someone in tech anyway that enjoys chaos. And if you do not enjoy chaos, you're not going to enjoy the next couple of years. Well Explain
0: to people why that is. Why do you think that's true?
1: I think there's a kind of two stages within tech, right? There's the people who really enjoy chaos. And then over time, they're like, I just want to be in the company where I can have a well-established go-to-market, well-established product. And I want to tweak the dials. And I think there's nothing wrong with either of those things. Like, I like the chaos. Things are changing all the time. a lot of ambiguity. Or I like the dial, the knob turn in. And I want to just like, optimize the things and keep this well-established thing growing. I think everything is chaos in the AI world because every company is going to have to start thinking, figuring out how do I actually integrate this? And there's going to be two eras of companies. There is like the pre and post-internet age. And if you look at the Fortune 500 pre-internet and the Fortune 500 post-internet, nothing is the same. AI is going to be the exact same. Pre-AI, post-AI, the winners and losers are going to be totally different.
0: Completely different.
1: And so every company is going to be trying to figure out how I can be a winner in AI. And if you were a winner pre-AI, just like the pre-internet companies, you're guaranteed nothing. Look at Google. Look at Google. Like, look what's happening to Google.
0: Kieran, I I think this was the most mind-blowing Twitter thread that you and I went back and forth on this week. And I I think we have to share it, especially for the folks on YouTube. Such a cool, practical example of AI in the wild. Yeah, so so basically this guy runs a, a software development shop in Pakistan. And he wanted more customers. He knows his best customers are Shopify Business Center. So he pulls a list of 100,000 Shopify sites with their name, their email, their metadata, their website, and everything. And normally, what's happened up to this point is you send a crappy, spammy email to all those people and a very, very small number of those 100,000 people respond and you try to sell them, right? But then, instead, he has GPT-4 come up with a custom app idea for each of those 100,000 companies. And then he puts that idea in the cold email. And so the example that they talk about here on Twitter is that like he's pitching a bath bomb company of an idea of an app that allows users to build their own bath bombs on the site. And not only did like the owner of that store love it, but then GPT-4 handles all the response and engagement with the prospect up until the point where it's like, oh yeah, I'm interested and here's my timeline. And like, I really need to talk to a human now. like. This is mind-numbing. Do you know how many just ultra-targeted emails are going to be sent in like 6 to 12 months? It is going to be bananas. I think this is a great use case because you can give
1: everyone a concierge experience. I've already started to look into this to see how to do it. I am too. I was experimenting over the weekend just how I, I can pull data at the domain level and the contact. I'm sure you're doing the same thing at the contact level. But think about it. Like... Think about your go-to-market experience. What we used to do in SaaS, right, was try to figure out how to give someone a self-serve experience and a one-to-many experience, and then take out some sort of like customer size and say, they'll get some sort of handheld concierge experience. Well, now you can just give everyone the concierge experience because you, yeah. you don't have, again, you've reduced the cost to nothing. So the personalized email, the chat, all of that stuff can actually be done through AI so everyone can get the great
0: experience. It's amazing if you're a small business owner who doesn't want to spend a lot for a product but can get treated like you're spending a lot for a product. Amazing. Holy cow, it's, it's a wild world of software, the future of software out there.
1: Everything has changed. It feels like these companies are on a product release schedule that not many other companies have ever replicated. It's torrid. And like, look at Microsoft.
0: Microsoft is dropping new products like
1: every two weeks. They dropped Notion. And we haven't talked about that.
0: They've dropped <laughs> like the Notion competitor built from an AI perspective. Brian Halligan, co-founder of HubSpot, if you saw this, tweeted that Microsoft, the world's largest startup. Yeah. You know, they are running like a startup at a massive scale
1: right now. They're running like a startup. It's definitely reinvigorated them. They're like, oh, wow, like not just we can solidify the market advantage we have, but we can really go take on Google. By changing the rules of
0: the game. Okay, I think if you've been watching today's show, you can tell that like our minds are kind of getting blown on not a daily basis, but like at every 10 minute basis or something, I think at this point. Like if you saw the WhatsApp thread between the two of us, you wouldn't even believe it. What practically, like, I think we did a good job of outlining for everybody, like here's what's happening and here's some of the implications of what's happening. What would you do, Karen? Like if you were in this situation, if let's say you were a marketer, your business owner at a growing company, What would you actually do today?
1: I would do two things. I think one of them, you can actually, I think it's on leaders to give some sort of top-down guidance. And so what I would actually do is I would like look across my customer journey and I would start to figure out where I can make the experience much better with AI or where I at least want to test, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to actually map out and say, well, I'm going to test the chat. I'm going to test the email. I'm going to test something on the webpage. But actually, I think you need some top-down directive because you probably have a lot of people in your company. Oh, like we keep hearing about the AI, but what is like, the go-to thing we can start doing. And then I think if you are an IC or just someone working within the company, you really need to understand this is not hype. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter and they're like, oh, the hype, the clubhouse, Mm -hmm. all of these things. People are getting sick of hearing about AI. Yeah, they're getting sick. But if you think that, wow, you're going to be in the group of people who wake up one day and realize everything about your job has changed. What people find valuable about your job and the skills they find valuable are different. And you don't know how to do those things. And other people do know how to do those things because they've been trying it. And I think this is the best time to lean in and play. Like every day, I try to spend at least half an hour just playing with AI Same. in some sort of way. Like asking it to do something, figuring out how it works, watching a tutorial on YouTube and trying to apply that. You have to realize this is the internet moment. Then there was a like, large gap between people who started to use the internet very early and those who used it much, much later.
0: And by the way, all the people who used it really early became very rich, 10 to 100x more successful. (laughs) Like it really played out in a pretty crazy way. I love that advice. I want to try a few other things on you. I think you have to designate somebody as like the directly responsible individual for AI, Mm. because I think there are a few things, which is of the tools we use now, like, do they have AI features and can I go and adopt and better use them? How do I get access to the right AI infrastructure, whether it's OpenAI, Midjourney, Stable Diffusion? There's a lot of like core platforms out there. And then how do I start building a testing roadmap? And that dovetails into a couple of my other points. One, and I think you have to have a key group of people, leaders in the company or on your team that do a weekly standup on this. Like we're going to do a weekly standup. I'm going to be in that weekly standup and like, we're going to go. We're not going to screw around. We're going to do it. And the next thing you need to do is be clear on what your short-term and long-term opportunities are. Like, I think you nailed some of the short-term opportunities. And I think of the short-term opportunities as like, how do you take the things you're doing right now and make them way better? And that's like, how do I make my website chat way better? My automated marketing or sales email outreach way better? All of those things, like, that's great. And then I think there are new things that are completely net new that you can do. I got some crazy ideas I want to talk with you outline and they're, they're too <laughs> good to give away on the show yet. And how do you prioritize those two kind of groups and buckets of work together, like the short term and the long term? And how do you basically reprioritize and shift people's time and focus around to go much harder? And then you would say, wow, that seems like a lot of thrash and a lot of distraction. Like, why would I do that? Like, I hear you, Kieran, that it's big, but like, what does that actually mean? I would pause it to you, Kieran. Like, let's talk about the chat email example, which is, I think, going to be a very popular thing, especially for B2B companies. What do you think that could do to your conversion rate of those channels? Do you think it's a 5% increase, 20% increase, 100% increase? Like, what do you think it does? I don't know how big the increase is, right? Unless you have some data, but I think it's... Uh, I've seen some preliminary tests. I think it's bigger than you think.
1: You know what the thing is? It's on like, it starts high and it erodes over time. That's my thing is like, the earlier you are, the bigger the
0: benefit that erodes over time, but everyone else is getting an end at a lower point. Yeah, I completely agree with you. The point I'm making is if you're like, oh, I don't know if I can reprioritize this, we got a lot going on. If I told you, you could double your email automation conversion rate to qualified leads, what would you give up to do that? I think most people I talk to in marketing would be like, I would do anything to do that. Right. They, they would literally be like, what, what do I need to do to do that? And I'm telling you, you could do it. Like I'm seeing all the early signals. I'm seeing some experiment results that tell me that at scale, I think that's what's going to happen. And you're right, Karen. It's not going to happen forever, right? Because everybody's going to do it. And those conversion rates are going to go back down and normalize. But in the short term, holy cow, you can have six, 12, 18 months of crazy, crazy results. Yeah. And that is worth being urgent for.
1: If there was ever a first mover advantage, this is
0: it. (laughs) Like, this is what we tell you about. Yeah, there's never been a bigger first mover advantage than with artificial intelligence. This is it. Like, this is the thing we've talked about forever. So we're going to keep going after the AI topic here on the show because, one, there's a lot to talk about and stuff keeps happening at such a rapid pace. But we tried to kind of capstone today's show with some things that you can do today to take advantage of it all. If you have questions, you have topic ideas for other things that you want to know around AI, please leave a comment on the YouTube. Please hit subscribe. We'd love to have you join us for future episodes. And until next time, it's been Marketing Against the Grain. Thanks, everyone.